0: Can speak really low and just That's good, you know, isn't it? Just get my mic control going on. Just do it into just just tip it. I don't want to tell you how to use a mic. Yeah, but you've got to tip like see so yeah, out that bit. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm like, on top it, of it. Get it right into your face. I can see yeah, your face. Cause I'm on top of the microphone. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Cav Templey. I play in a band called Eskimo Joe, as well as releasing my own records and doing a whole lot of other stuff in between.
0: Welcome to another episode, another fine episode of Introducing. I'm getting down low because our next guest has a great voice. As you'll hear, hopefully you enjoyed our chat with Kevin Parker, Tame in Parlour. They are back in Australia right now, their shows are sensational. They're on now, they may have finished by the time you hear this, but there's lasers aplenty. plenty, good vibes all around, so good having Tame in Parlour back home. And we're keeping it in Perth today, we're keeping the love in WA because Cav Templey is a proud Frio boy. You may know him as the frontman of Eskimo Joe. They formed in 1997 and he's decided for the first time in four years to go solo again. Machines of Love and Grace's album, it's out now. The new single and video is unreal. Check it out, YouTube it after this or even during it. It's called Last of the Wine. We'll talk about collaborating with old mate Katie Steele. Also, we'll talk Eskimo Joe, of course, how they started after six albums, a stack of Arias and potentially even their last full Tanty. Please enjoy my chat with Cav Tempoli. Well, it's lovely to see you um, in this professional environment. Mm, <laughs> because very. I, I do see you a lot socially, so it's nice to uh, us both to be professionals. Yep. Well,
1: you know, you come and see me at my job. I get to come <laughs> and see you at your job. Yeah. What are your thoughts on my job, just uh, having been here a little bit? It's very nice and clean. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of screens, which is impressive. Yeah, my uh, name's on all those screens. There's like some names. I demand it. that. You have to also like walk past your photo on a regular basis, <laughs> which must be weird. No, uh, I demand that too. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't have your photo up everywhere? Yeah, pretty much, actually. <laughs> uh, you've just come from Rage. Yes,
0: Rage. I, I saw you guys last night. I saw Rescue My Joe at the More Theatre, and we'll get to that in a sec. But because mm. um, you, you guys did on stage talk about Rage, yeah, we did. Yeah, it means so. I, I it's my favourite part of the weekend, really. And what annoyed me, I know this is going to sound really weird, but what annoyed me about COVID is that the ABC put their own kind of news breakfast show on on Saturday mornings. So then Rage now stops at six am and then starts up again at ten, and by then you've just lost the mojo. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah.
0: Um, but are you guest programming?
1: Yeah, we're guest programming, and it's always funny. Like. You know, when you go do those things because you've seen them so many times, you kind of have a bit of a surreal out-of-body experience. I mean, yeah. for my generation, growing up with rage was, was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when you go on there. And then when they, like, ask you to program songs, you're like, you suddenly have a mental blank. You're like, <laughs> oh, what? What do song? I know other artists? Is there other <laughs> songs out there?
0: <laughs> you know, I, you and I probably would have watched Rage differently because I always wanted to do radio, and what I used to do with, with Rage was sit there and back announce and forward announce the songs. <laughs> and the, the trick for me was not knowing what was coming up, so I had to think on my feet. Yep. And I think that was
1: a good skill for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, you took it into life. I just uh, stayed in my room smoking weed, which was actually <laughs> also a skill that I took into my job. <laughs> yeah, good. Yep. What, what film
0: clips stick out for you when you were watching Rage when you were young because the one that sticks out for me the most was the don't speak um no doubt film clip as being like just the one that i I was on every week for like a hundred weeks and you just watched gwen stefani wander around a garage in bare bare feet
1: yeah and just fell in love with her a little bit um i think about you know i think about being there's so many eras of watching rage for me but i think about I remember one particular time coming back to my like accommodation in Sydney when we would all like stay in these rooms where you know, it was like we thought it was luxury at the time, but there's like, you know six of us in this one kind of like stinky room, and we thought that was amazing. Um, but I remember coming back to my accommodation and um, it was the year like back to back was, Everlong by, um, by Foo Fighters that just Fighters. come out and it's yeah. just like, you know, this Michelle Gondry amazing, mind-blowing video clip. So I watched that and I was like, whoa, what the hell just happened? That was amazing. That song was amazing. And then the next one that came on was Window, no, it was Come to Daddy by Aphex <laughs> Twins. And I was like, I'm actually just losing touch with reality now. So yeah. I think about that era of just, you know, great bands making, you know, with these huge budgets making amazing video clips with, you know, up-and-coming movie makers, you know, like people who are going to go on to become these auteurs. Well, a lot
0: of fi- fi- uh, uh, film clips now have a director at the end, like a, an actual credit. <laughs> yeah, which I think is cool. Yeah, uh, very much so.
1: But but video clips, I mean, um, you know, visuals have now become such an important part of what we do in music. Like, you have to have visuals for everything.
0: Well, uh, and also very soon. Yeah, yeah, like you're dropping songs. Like I was so the graduation day. The first time I actually heard the single. Yeah. is when I'm watching the video now.
1: Yeah, and that's how people are consuming music. But the budgets have gone down, you know, hugely. Like we did two video clips for Black Fingernails Red Wine because the first one got a, like an MA rating, yeah. so they couldn't because it had implied violence in it because we kill ourselves in the video clip, um, and that was with this amazing director Nash Edgerton who's like gone on and made films and done all kinds of things. Um, but so we had to make a second video clip, and. They they both cost like $50,000 plus to make. Yeah. Um, and now I'm making, like, for graduation day, I edited most of that did myself. Really? <laughs> Actually,
0: my wife, Monique, who I know you know very well, growing yes. up in Perth, she mentioned on the way here today that she was meant to be in one of uh, your film clips. I think it was the wake-up film yes. clip. Yes, yeah, yeah, She was too hungover, so ah. I didn't do it. <laughs> she lived to regret that one. She really did. Um, speaking of Perth, I'm like, obviously, you grew up in Perth, and and watching you on stage last night, I mean, and you're at the Enmore Theatre in Sydney, but you're a very... You're a very proud uh, people, the WA people, the sand gropers. Is that
1: offensive or is that? I don't think so. I mean, I think everyone else calls us sand gropers because sand gropers, for those who don't know, are these really disgustingly ugly um, <laughs> bugs. If you ever seen a sand groper, oh, is like. I have. What oh my God. Look at it. Look it up. They are just horrifying. Um, so people call us sand gropers because apparently that's where sand gropers come from. And uh, look, oh, there, yeah, it, there is. it is. Yeah, it's got this kind of like stuff of nightmares. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't
0: used that in any Eskimo
1: Joe um, imagery. Yeah. But uh, look, I think, you know, the the wow. the WA pride or especially the Fremantle pride, I kind of, yeah. it's, it's up on the screen <laughs> now in front of us. It's horrifying. I'll move it. I'll move it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that comes from this, uh, if you grow up in WA, you have to have this do-it-yourself attitude um, because there's no Svengali who's going to sweep in and discover you and, you know, and make you famous. Yeah. So everyone has to work really hard to get to that point where anyone pays us any attention and, and therefore all the bands have this um, heavy involvement in everything they do artistically from the recording of their songs to making video clips to everything and you can see that, you know... It it uh come up in, in bands like Tame and Parlour, you know, like Kev from Tame, he produces and mixes and records all of his records, plays all the instruments. I mean he's just like a uber human. But um, you know, he's got this tiny little beat shack, you know, in South Frio where he records a lot of the stuff in and, and it's like, you'll go in there and it's just like a room, but he does it all himself because he had to, to a certain extent. And now he's this, you know, he could work with, you know, anyone. I just remember going, (laughs) going into his little beat shack and he's like in South Frio and he's got this like, his drum sounds are, he's a wicked drummer, Kev. I think he was originally a drummer and, um, and his drums are set up in the, in the corner. I'm just kind of eyeing it off, trying to see how he's mic'd up his drums and stuff. And I'm like, can you get your drum sound? And he's like, oh, I can get that drum sound anywhere. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I lived in Perth in my early, early 20s, and that's where I met you and my, yeah. my wife and stuff. And I actually, I think that's where I actually started going to live music because yeah, growing right. up in Sydney, strangely, because it's so up itself here, <laughs> like, but you don't, you, you kind of, unless you really are into it and you're seeking things out, like, yeah. it was really in your face going to a band on, on a night of the week that you'd even never heard of before, which mm. like, that was the first time I ever did that. And watching, you know, the panics and, and mm. end of fashion. You mentioned last night, gyroscope. And, yeah. And then knowing Kev from Jebediah and things like it's, it's, it's such a great scene, not only because you had to, but I, I think you really are proud of it too. It was never like, never, I, I never had the sense of you were trying to break out. It was just like, here we
1: are. Yeah. And we're very proud. Everyone had given up to trying to break out. <laughs> how how <laughs> so, did you break out without the internet as well? Yeah. Well, I think, I think when it came to 2004, and um, I mean, I mentioned this on stage last night, but we had a jam room um, on Baker Street just behind the Beaky Tavern. Yeah. And um, we, we had like a little recording set up. So all of our friends' bands would come and record there and um and people like Joel from the band and another friend of ours Andy and everyone was like housemates and you know touring together and stuff but we're all helping each other out doing these demos and then as these demos were getting recorded bands were getting signed and played on Triple J and that was that was this mind-blowing moment where we actually started to break out at WA properly for the first time. I mean Kev did it with uh, Jebediah and stuff um And that was amazing in itself, but we were kind of the next generation, I guess, like the almost the younger brothers to kind of come up. Yeah,
0: well, we launched Nova in Perth with Jebediah Like, uh, we had the chili peppers in the studio, and then Jebediah were like the first live act. Like, yes, yeah, I
1: remember Kev telling me that he was like they actually played on Thank on you- their instruments, and they were they were just a bit pissed off. Well,
0: were- how's it? Kevin was on this podcast, <clears throat> and yeah. I asked him. I said, "Were well, you? Are you still? P-? He's still pissed. Yeah, off. he's still pissed. Yeah. But, I, but so, what? What would you say then? So mm. let's say okay. You say so John Franchante takes you your guitar. Yeah. Do you get pissed off or do you go, Wow,
1: John Freshante's playing my guitar? Uh, look, depend, <laughs> depends how kindly they treat the guitar. I think you, they treated it pretty well. Well, I'm sure I'd be fine with it. The okay, game. they were eating
0: pistachios and cantaloupes. And yeah, stuff. that yeah. was probably everywhere. i um, speaking of Perth, proud though, and, and we're, we're going to dart all over the place. But your, your solo um, album, "Machines of Love and Grace," now mm. is that that's been pushed back. That's that's being that's coming out October 19. That's right. Yes. Which, when this podcast is released, it is. So let's say it's out now. Yes, yeah, say so out now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and you're doing a single like, graduation day with Katie Steele. Yeah. Yeah. Little so, birdie, Katie. Deal.
1: So I got to do some cool collaborations on this record with people who I'd known for years, but by necessity, we just... In Perth, because yes. I was writing and recording the whole record during the lockdown period. And as you know, it, as it slowly opened up and we we're allowed more than one person in the room, I'd be like, Hey, what are you doing? Can you come over for a jam? Because I'm losing my mind, yeah. Because I've been sitting in a room by myself for two years. Um, so Katie came along and yeah, we worked on graduation day. There's a feature track that will go with the record, which is myself and John Butler doing a duet, wow. and we've you know, like John was like living downstairs in the studio where we recorded most of the album Girl. Yeah. Um. So we'd kind of known each other, you know, in Fremantle, and we've had some really peculiar situations. We've become friends over a really long period of time, but like one of the funniest situations with me and John is we were, a friend of ours, Lucy Peach, was getting married um, in Boronup Forest, which is this beautiful forest down south of Perth, and, you know, it's we're all there and we're all waiting for the wedding singer, this lady, this amazing um, singer to come and sing Lucy and her husband down the aisle in this forest <laughs> where there's no one else around. And suddenly this person walks in and goes, the wedding singer's been lost. Is there any musicians in the audience? And me and John look at each other and we're like, oh, crap, that's us, isn't it? So we worked out that the only song we knew together was Stand By Me. So we just kind of played Stand By Me and our friend Lucy walked down the aisle and it was just this... Oh, that's beautiful. P- and then... And then, like, about a month later, John was doing a, a gig in Freer. And he's like, oh, do you want to come down? And I was, and we can play Stand By Me. I was like, sounds good. And I said, when do you want me to come on? So he was like, I don't know. When do you want to come on? I was like, maybe halfway through the set. He's like, you realize that's three hours into the set. I was like, okay, how about half an hour, 45 minutes? And he's like, yeah, that's one song in. So, Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so John plays long shows. So, uh, yeah, so eventually we, um, I went and visited him at his house in, down in Margaret River. And we were jamming and writing a song together. And I thought it was going to be a song for his record. But then after one night after a jazz cigarette, I was like, do you know what would be great? (laughs) And I called him up. I was like, I've got an idea. (laughs) You know what we can do is like, for your record, um, you, it's kind of like a question-answer song, right? We're, we're doing, like, I ask a question and he answers. I was like, I'll ask the question, then you answer. And then for my record, we do the opposite. <laughs> and he was like, I love it. So we've recorded the one for my record. Oh, yeah. If it never makes it onto his record, <laughs> let it be known. That was the master plan okay. at midnight after I'd smoked a jazz cigarette.
0: All right. And then and then if that, if that hasn't happened, then John Bartlow, explain yourself. Yeah, explain yourself, John. Um, as a songwriter and, and, and obviously being a part of a band, for so many years, Do, were you always an individual songwriter and then took ideas to the boys or um, is doing stuff like, because also you have released all your devotion. You released a solo album four mm. years ago. So, I mean, it's in you, you you know, doing stuff on your own. But how, how is it different writing a song for Eskimo Joe versus for Cav Temple?
1: I think the history of you know, each time we've taken a step forward, and this I've got to say this without sounding like a complete wanker. Um, but you know, you are we are drinking rosé out of a, yeah, uh, out of a right. cardboard cup. We're, so, drinking, we're drinking love, a uh, love triangle rosé yes. out of a uh, yeah on Stan originals. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right. Um, but uh, so, me and Joel had a. pretty terrible band called freud's pillow which is one of those moments where freud's pillow i think think that's better than fred's pillow yeah we (laughs) we thought that uh we thought we were very clever with the title um but it was one of those terrible moments in history where funk and metal came together you know and was in the mainstream um so we were doing that and i was starting i wasn't there wasn't really the music i listened to so i was off on the side kind of writing my songs and joel came in after, probably around about the time UMI came out and was like, I want to write songs like that. In fact, these songs that you're writing, can we just have a band where we do that? And me and Stu had already started to jam, so... We took those songs and we started to do what was the beginning of Eskimo Joe. And then somewhere along the lines, we were like, well, wouldn't it be great if we entered the campus band competition? And and, and we had this one song, which was Sweater, which was kind of like a bit of a novelty song. We were like, we just need four more of them and we could win. <laughs> and lo and behold, we did. Yeah. So then somehow we like... I got, you know, I got kind of sidetracked again from playing these like songs that were from my heart and were like, you know, real songs about real experiences that were happening to me. And we started becoming this novelty band. And then as we were making the record, like we were trying to make A a record of novelty songs and it was just, it was going badly. And Joel came in again and was like the voice of reason. He was like, this is shit. We need to write songs like that. And I once again had started to kind of write my own songs over here. And all we did was get them and then turn them into what became the first Eskimo Joe album. And then that really set the tone. And so by the time we were doing, um, you know, A Song is a City and Black Fingernails Red Wine, I would write the songs mainly on an acoustic guitar and then play them to the band and then we'd workshop them and turn them into an Eskimo Joe album. Then after that, everyone started to kind of contribute a little bit more and I think, you know, the focus again started to kind of go away from that. So I got to a point... I guess, in the Eskimo Joe experience where I was like, I just wanted to write those songs again. Yep. And then that's kind of what's happened with my solo stuff. Fi- it's finally turned into just a Cav project. Yeah. But along the lines, just in the nick of time, every time I'd write these songs that were like were real, um, Joel would generally sweep in and be like, let's make that the album. And I'll be like, okay, that sounds good oh, to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But this time around, he was like, no, no, you can just make a solo record. That sounds good. <laughs> so Seeing you guys on
0: stage last night, though, like it, it's it's... Uh, to me, having never been in a band, but obviously working with people, no. like, it's a it's a big achievement that you guys are still three. Like, you've known Stu since you were six or seven. Yeah, about five. He moved next door to me. Right. And yeah. so you're still, as I saw you last night on stage, working with each other. Mm. You did mention, though, last night, Full Tanty. When yeah. was when was your last Full Tanty with each other? And what was it about?
1: Uh, I think every time we've made a record, probably apart from Black Fingernails, Red Wine, that was the most kind of, you know, stars aligned, harmonious moment. In time um, but every time you know you're trying to get n- like breakthrough a creative idea with people like one person in the band will have some kind of storm out of the studio moment yeah but generally we get along really well because we all have a laugh and i think on a human level we we have a good chemistry of personalities so mm. you know if someone's being a bit stroppy one day the other two will just kind of you know pick it up and go and we've kind of moved in you know we've been through so many meetings in the band where we've talked about each other's feelings and why this person's upset and so on that you know we've we haven't had a full-fledged tanty for a long time <laughs> everyone's a little bit bit past that now but i think making records is you know, it's just a mysterious and frustrating process. Sometimes you you don't know where you're going to end up. You can have a concept in your mind of what you want to make, but at some point in time, you've just got to kind of give in to the process. Yeah. Um, and that's when the Tanties happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about you though. Growing up, because you did spend. A, I mean, you're obviously from WA, but you mm. you spent a lot of time overseas as well. Mm. Were you in a musical um household, or were you kind of the uh, the 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 black sheep where you kind of went over here and and, and started getting creative
1: uh no it, it- Creativity was always very encouraging in our house. My mum was the black sheep of her family, who were quite con- conservative, yeah. you know, Perth people. So she was, you know, she'd played music as she was, you know, younger. And then my brother, who's about seven years older than me, he um, is, was really into electronic music in the really early days. So he was a bit of a pioneer in Perth in those days. But um, I was, uh, I guess, you know, just much more of a classic rock and roll guy and just wanted to pick up a guitar and jump. ...jump around on stage... Um, so oh, so did instruments come before writing things down uh no I think I was always a prolific storyteller I used to tell whopping great lies when <laughs> I was about like five and six years old but just like ridiculously stupidly large like mm. stories and I think in hindsight I realized I just wanted to to tell stories and and I would uh, you know I'd, I would write them down sometimes but then when songwriting came in I was like well this is the perfect vessel I can I can just do that in this and so
0: as a song Writer, then I would assume, like any kind of writer, it's quite a selfish pursuit in a way where you have to take yourself out. Like, that's the thing. I'm not prolific at all. Like, I do you did you enjoy? I mean, you mentioned before that COVID was awful because you couldn't see people and record with people, but in a weird
1: way, being a uh, a reclusive writer. Did you also enjoy it? I, I was in my <laughs> uh, my happy place because you know I guess for some people in in the COVID experience, you know, if they were married to the wrong person or whatever, it would have been like you're trapped in a house with this person. I think people a lot of people found out they were married to the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. That time. <laughs> There's a few. I didn't think ca- they were beforehand. Yeah, exactly. There's a few casualties I think yeah. that came out of that. But no, I I was luckily in married to the right person, and so yes. we were we were having a great time. We're like we're locked in a house together, and all we have to do is hang out. That sounds great. And uh, you have four kids between. The two yes, of me, you, yeah. So, yeah. It's, a, it's there's
0: a lot of people hanging
1: around anyway. There's a lot of people, it's a party every day at our house, but um, but yeah, going into a room to tell for someone who really thrives in that you know, like stage performance situation, mm. I like nothing more than just disappearing into a room and creating. I, if you just said that's what you have to do right now, I'd be like, no worries, that's that's my thing, yeah. I can, I can just do it at the drop of a hat and I love it. Um, so yeah, there was, I, I but I think it's a, again, it's such a you have to complete the process otherwise you know there's so many great songwriters out there um, and talented people who don't do it because they don't complete the process. The hardest part of of making records and and songwriting and all the rest of it is completing those ideas. Mm. So you know the beginning, the creation part is easy you just wander in there and so for the first year or so of lockdown I was just like this is great I'm just creating and then as it came to crunch time and now we're just releasing this record and having to make decisions of like this is finished I I'm now finishing this idea and finishing I
0: anything really ever finished?
1: Well, or, or do you just hand it to us, the public, and then... <laughs> you can always tinker more. There is no doubt, but you have to make decisions at some point in time and finish those ideas. And And once you do that, once you finish an idea and a project, that allows you to move on to the next idea. If you don't do that, then you're stuck in this quagmire of going round and round, and you can go round forever. So I, I loved the lockdown experience for creating, but there was still a certain point where I was like, right, I need to come out of my pyjamas and, and just get into this, you know.
0: But finishing an album as a complete work obviously something important to you because what I've noticed speaking to people on, on this mm. project introducing you, is there's half of you like that and then the other like the other people I've spoken to like I had Phineas on uh, Billy Eilish's brother who just wants to just do something and just put it out straight away yeah. <laughs> so they can just move on do you do you like that idea too because I mean you can like anything's possible now you can put a song out in an
1: hour from now if you want. I I'm I I get where Phineas is coming from because when you create something brand new, you love it more than anything you've ever done. Yeah. And and that's an important part of being a creative is like you always love your the idea you're working on better than anything you've ever done. But for me, I don't kind of get into this this TikTok culture of of documenting everything and just going, hey, this is where it's at, you know, and out it goes. I like to disappear into a log cabin somewhere, you know, you know, go into some kind of place and then come out with a fully formed artistic idea that I've thought about completely and I'm then ready to present to the world. I don't want anyone to see it in its, you know, in its bare bones because it might completely change. And as soon as you set something in stone, you can't do anything yeah. with it, you know what I mean? So putting... Like, I think about the process of me writing this record. Some of the early songs that I did, I was like, this is great. I should just put it out. Now that's like three quarters the way down the record. And then the songs that are the really good songs are kind of up the front of the record. And, you know, even the intro track that I wrote, that was the very last thing I did. And now I'm like, oh, my God, this album wouldn't be the album without that track. So I feel like you have to go through the process and you have to get to the end of this creative kind of You know, journey you go on to then kind of look back and go, oh. That's what I've made, and you yep. just you don't really know what you're making sometimes. Now you've just you've just travelled
0: around the country on your own, and also um, by the time this comes out, you would have just done your last Eskimo Joe sh- show. For now, um, mm. in at home, yes, in Fremantle. Um, I was at the show last night in Sydney. Your your, your children were there. Mm. How how important is it for them? Like, do do they love coming to see dad at work, or are they like? I think I told you after the show last night, I, I spoke to Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters, who yeah. has an eighteen year old son. who was coming out to Australia. Australia to play that Geelong show. He's like, "Hey, there's some room on the jet. Do you want to come?" Yeah. And he said, "No." <laughs> um, are you forcing your children to come to these shows? Or yeah, they look like they- <laughs> yeah, okay. good
1: answer. Uh, no, I think it's they would never admit that they would want to come and see a show, but I think it's really important that they come out Absolutely. and see what I do, and also just see that it's not just the glory of being on stage. There's all this like hard work behind the scenes that goes into it, um, because you know that's our family business. So yeah. for them to come out and see what happens and to understand the whole process and and I'm proud of how they you know hold themselves backstage they like they know the protocols of how it works that's a pretty individual thing to experience to know that this is what this is when you leave the backstage area because the band are getting ready then you give them some time and then you hang over here and you you just know how to handle yourself and I I hope they take that, that as a life skill into whatever they do in their life. But I don't think, any, I mean, we've got one of our kids who will probably go into. I
0: was going to ask you, out of the four, surely statistically,
1: someone's going to take on the family business. I've tried to force them all to get into it, but none of them have really taken to it apart from one of our kids, uh, Cassia. She is she loves musical theatre at the moment. so yeah. And she's an amazing singer. And she's a really interesting, she has such an interesting story because she was a heart kid. So um, myself and Beth, uh, my wife, got together. We both had two kids from previous marriages, and then we got together and formed the Brady Bunch. Um, so Cassia, who is my stepdaughter, she was born with her tubes in her heart round the wrong way. Um, so she had to be like, you know, with her chest cut open as a brand new baby, rushed to Brit- from Perth to Brisbane, operated on. They didn't know whether she was going to have brain damage or never work. She is like a superhuman. Yeah. She is like you know she, and because her vocal cords were all kind of messed up from having tubes down them, she's got this like bluesy, husky voice, and she can tap into like that kind of emotion um, that that singers need. That uh, is not something you can learn. It's something that if you've got that kind of deep sorrow in you somewhere um then you can you can do it and she can do that so she does musical theater and she loves that but I feel like that's you know being a rock and roll you know indie dude I'm like you know surely you're going to discover songwriting and just become a some
0: of my eyeliner yeah exactly
1: (laughs) but no she loves loves musical theater and that might change but I could see her you know going into that and making that a career
0: Oh, that's so awesome. Well, it was so good to see you guys last night on stage. Um, and, and good luck with, I mean, it, has, it would have happened by the time people listened to this, but good luck with the the Eskies show in Fremantle. Um, Machines of Love and Grace, the album, congratulations on that. You must be... Super proud. I hate saying super, but you must be super <laughs> proud.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, very proud. I mean, it's a lot of work to to put out a record and um, and I'm probably more proud of this than anything I've done because, uh, you know, second solo record, first solo record, you're always like looking for who you are as, yeah. a, as an artist outside of your band. Whereas this time around, by necessity, I was just... Writing and recording, and not overthinking what it was going to like sound like, but just doing what I thought sounded cool. Yeah, and it sounds, you know, sounds kind of like Eskimo Joe, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> and videos straight away, videos, videos. Yeah, and I've and that was, you know, you always ask people. I'm sure you do this on your radio all the time. Like, what did you learn during yep. COVID? Uh, I learned how to edit uh, <laughs> movies because that is now apparently a skill set if you want to make records. Well, if you want to ask my wife to be in another video clip, she promises she won't be hung hungover this time.
0: <laughs> um, we finish off every day every uh, episode with you introducing us to someone. So uh, take your time but um, pay it forward. Is there an artist you're loving at the moment? God, there's so much. Um,
1: And you can list them all if you want. We have no time limit. Well, uh, I'll I'll pay it forward a little bit. So um, one of the other artists who I've got um, featuring on my record. Um, we didn't write the song together, but she's such a, a cool artist and I think is just going to do huge things because you can just see when people are hungry. But it's a Perth artist called Siobhan Cotchins and uh, she's kind of like, I don't know how to describe her. She's kind of like Dolly Parton meets Taylor Swift or something. Yeah, but she's, she's, right. she's got this kind of country thing going on and yeah, she's just been blowing up stages. She just did big sound and everything. But yeah, I've heard she,
0: her a bit on Double J. She's
1: unreal. Yeah, she's super cool and uh, I just think she'll keep, kicking goals because you just know when people have got it in their eyes you're like ah, oh, yeah you want this yeah yeah. she sings on uh, the track 2 on my oh, album awesome. called Homesickness but yeah check her out she's got lots of songs out there video clips she's she's going to continue to keep doing it and classic Perth you're sticking together yep and
0: of course we're going to be a Perth artist always <laughs> always Cav, lovely to see you mate congrats on the album and, uh, and also last night's show was just exceptional you guys should be so pumped thanks for having us Tim